0: Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Please check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. Hi there, this is Pastor Sherman Burkhead, and this is Grace and Truth, a devotion that's meant to encourage you, but it's also meant to challenge you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ through a time in the word and time in prayer. Today is April the 18th, 2020. I got my pal here, Calvin, who's with me today. Hopefully he'll be quiet today. And then I've got some kids playing in the background. So if you hear a little bit of noise, that's what it is. Um, We love little kids, and we certainly love for them to have a good time. Uh, But I am beginning today... As always with gratitude, as we remember and remind ourselves that gratitude is an important part of life in general, but it's especially important for the Christian life. And today I'm grateful for, I'm thankful for all those common little pleasures of life. And you know what I'm talking about, those everyday little pleasures that can almost be taken for granted. Things like laughter, laughing and hearing people laugh is a wonderful part of life. I love to hear little kids laugh. I love to hear my friends laugh. I especially, my, one of my favorite things in the world is hear my wife laugh. It's one of the greatest pleasures of my life. Or how about that warm feeling of when you were snuggled up in a blanket, you know, in bed when it, on a very cool night, like last night, um, and you're so comfortable, you don't even want to get out of bed. Or how about that, that, uh, that sound of that familiar song you know, that song that reminds you of when you were younger and that you have to turn the volume way up loud because you're transported back to a different place and a different time. Or how about that that taste of chocolate? (laughs) Or how about pizza? Or for me, it's gumbo. Or how about the smell of things like fresh coffee when you open a new container? I opened some black rifle double calf this morning and the smell was wonderful. By the way, it's not a paid endorsement. I just happen to like the coffee and like to share it with you. Um, But the thing is, is every single day, our lives are filled with these kinds of moments, these pleasures, the taste, the smells, the sounds, the sights, the feelings. Even in our worst moments, there are these things um, that bring us these kind of comforts. They bring us a smile to our face, a giggle to our heart. Sometimes even when we don't want to laugh, some things make us giggle. They bring a moment of relief in a time of trouble. We experience these kinds of things every single day these little pleasures, a hug from a loved one, a text message of encouragement, the comfort of a favorite blanket, the affection of our of our pets, the smell of, of the fresh morning spring air. Every day our lives are filled with these little pleasures, and I am grateful to God for them because They're a constant reminder of just how much God loves us and how good he is to us. Even to those who don't know who God is, even those who rebel against God, God is still merciful and gracious to them and gives them these gifts. Which, as Pastor Richard Barcelos was saying, is... It's astonishing. Yesterday, I listened to a short sermon clip where he was talking about how God's mercy is astonishing, how God is so incredibly merciful, even to those who suppress the truth. And I would encourage you, uh, if you have a moment, to listen to that clip. It's only three minutes long. And I and I will include a link to that in the description here. But but with that, I am super grateful to God for all the little pleasures in life. But But what about you? What are you grateful to God for? I certainly would love to hear from you about what God, what you're thankful for. And I would love to hear about the little things, the little pleasures that God blesses you with, the things that, that really mean so much to you. You can message me here on Facebook, or you can email me at fbcboron at gmail.com, or you can call me at the office at 760-762-5149. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and, and also, if you have questions about faith and about the Bible, But especially if you you have a question about how you can have a relationship with Christ, I would love to hear from you. Call me, email me. I would love to talk. But with that, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 25 through 32. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 25. And the word of the Lord reads this way. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the holy spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you and and the most important one of the most important tips i can give you about studying the bible is that when you look at any text that you must always try to read the text or, and and understand the text in its context. Every single Bible verse has a context that gives it its meaning. It has a cultural context, it has a historical context, and it has an, an immediate context of the verses that surround it on either side. And when you are reading a text like this, when you're reading a passage of scripture like this, there are oftentimes words that will give you a clue of, of what the context might be. Like for instance, the word therefore. This word, when you see that, reminds you that that what is being said is connected to what has been said before. The word therefore should prompt you to ask the question, what is it there for? This word can be substituted for the, for the word uh, because, or, it, or the phrase, in, in light of. You can say, therefore, or in light of something. And, and, and what, what we see here is Paul says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. You see, what Paul just finished saying, and what he just finished talking about in the previous section is important. And what he was talking about was the unity in the church. He was talking about how each believer in Christ is part of the same body and as such that they need one another, that each member of the body is, is, is a part of one another and each member is needed and important. Every member of the body of Christ is a member of one another and, and they are all to grow together towards spiritual maturity because that's the goal of the church is that we build each other, build each other up in love and that we come and attain the fullness of the maturity of Christ. And then he says, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you may no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. You see, as Christians, we should think differently, and we certainly should act differently than the rest of the world. This is something that Christians really need to think about and take seriously. As Christians, we should think differently and we should certainly act differently than the rest of the world. And then he says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and Holiness, and then he says the word, therefore. You see, the foundation of what Paul is about to say is that if you're a believer in Christ, your thoughts and your actions and your attitudes ought to be different than the world around you because you are different. You're a new creation. You were not what you used to be. You have put off your old self, right? That looks like the rest of the world. And you have put on a new self that has been created in the image of Christ. You are no longer like the world and you ought to live that way. And, and, and then he says, therefore, in light of this, we have Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Paul reminds us that if we confess Christ, we are members of other believers. We are part of the same body. We are part of each other. We are inextricably linked. That's why he talks so much about unity. We are to give the very best of ourselves, the very best of ourselves to our fellow believers. Even when it's hard, notice what Paul says in verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Let Do not let the sin go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. The reality is we're going to be angry at times, sometimes justifiably so, sometimes not. And sometimes we're going to be angry with someone who's a brother and sister in Christ. And sometimes we have good reason to be angry but Paul says be angry but do not sin you see one of the things that we are prone to fall into is to fall back into our old worldly habits when we get angry we as christians are all praise the lord and i love jesus and we're super nice when things are good but when we get upset when we get angry when we get our feelings hurt We start acting like the rest of the world. We start falling back into egregious sins like the rest of the world. Sins like trash talking and gossip. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, Paul says, but as only as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. The funny thing is is we oftentimes when we get angry feel vindicated to to say whatever's on our minds. We feel like it is our right to complain and bemoan other people including other believers. When we get angry, we feel justified to say whatever we we want, right? Whether it's in person or on social media because we as we tell ourselves, we're just being honest. But there's a way that we go about this that is very sinful unchristian-like, especially when we do it against unbelievers, especially when we, we do this against fellow believers. We jeopardize the unity of the body of Christ because of our own anger. Another way that we sin in anger is we allow grudges and bitterness to fester in our hearts. Paul says, let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. The fact of the matter is becoming angry over something is not sin. Getting angry about something is not sin. There are times that we are justified to be angry. Even Jesus was angry at times. So becoming angry is not sin, but holding on to anger and allow it to become bitterness and to become a grudge and let it fester up into malice and wrath in your hearts. That is sin, especially when it's against another Christian. There are times that you were right to be angry, but you were never, ever, 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 ever right to hold a grudge. Ever. Which then, notice what Paul says. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Probably the most egregious sin that we commit in our anger isn't what we say, but it's the forgiveness we withhold. Notice Paul says... We are to forgive each other as we have been forgiven. Now hear me on this. If you're a Christian, you have no right whatsoever to withhold forgiveness. You have no right whatsoever to harbor hatred and withhold forgiveness from a fellow believer, none. If you are willfully withholding forgiveness from a fellow believer, you are walking in willful, defiant sin before God. You were willfully sinning. And I know that that's hard to hear. But this is called grace and truth. and I I love you enough to tell you the truth. And if you think I'm overstating the case on this, by all means, please go to Matthew chapter 18 and read verses 21 through 35. When Peter begins by asking, how many times must I forgive somebody? And Jesus wraps up the text with saying, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of the risen king, you are to seek unity. You are to seek peace. And as Paul says, you're to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, You might say, "Well, me, Pastor, you don't know. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they've what they've said to me. You don't know how they've acted. You don't know." And you're right. I, I, I don't, I don't know. But I know three things that Jesus said. That's more important than any of that. First, he said, "Before you try to take a speck of sawdust out of someone else's eye." You need to take care and take that two by four, that big old beam out of your own eye. Before you sit in judgment of another believer, you need to take responsibility for your own actions and your own missteps and your own sin. Number two, Jesus said that we are to forgive each other as you have been forgiven. And this isn't a suggestion, this is a command. He is making it clear. This is a command from the king himself. And then number three, (laughs) He takes it a step further and he gives us another command. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. All right. and, and, and here's why this is important. Because he says, by this, your love for one another, your Christian love for one another, all people will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, brothers and sisters in Christ, the world is watching us as Christ followers and the way that you love your fellow believers, even the ones that are hard to love in times, mm. is a visible testimony of how much you really believe the things that you say that you believe. Jesus said, if you're going to be my visible disciple, then you need to be loving each other with a love that Christ himself loved, a sacrificial love. And believe me, Christ loved us when we didn't love him. Christ loved us when we weren't listening to him. Christ loved us when we were jerks to him. Christ, in fact, the Bible says, in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That God showed his love that way. We ought to do the same thing. And right now, the world needs to see the light of Christ. The world needs to see a unified church the world needs to see brothers and sisters in Christ putting away their differences and leading the way as an example for everyone else. That's what the world needs right now. Now, I want you to understand, this is not an easy thing to walk in. And it's not a call for us to be doormats for other people. And it's not a call for us to have to endure um, people's garbage. But it is a call for us to walk the higher ground and the higher road, and live in the image that Christ is calling us to live in. Now, before we move on and and pray, uh, I just want to share an update with you about our brother Asif Rashid in um, Pakistan. He lives there, he works there, uh, his whole family's there, um, and he's been working to spread the gospel there in Pakistan, and it's a very difficult place to do that because it's a Muslim country. But it's become even harder now because of the spread of the coronavirus. Everyone is on lockdown, and there's just you know a, a lack of food resources. And, and those food resources are especially scarce for Christians because Muslims are the majority, and they get the majority of those resources. And, and there is some relief organizations, but most of them are Muslim relief organizations, and they're basically requiring a person convert to Islam in order to receive those resources. Well, Brother Asif has been taking some of the financial resources we've been giving him that, that he was going to use for other things, and he's been taking those things, and he is buying sacks of flour, and he is providing food for the hungry Christians there in the Pakistan communities that are around him. He is extending the love of our church to those people, and I am really, really grateful for that. In fact, I just have a really short clip i want to share with you um that where pastor asif is just basically saying thank you to us and so here it is greeting to all of you my i'm pastor Asif from pakistan and good god has provided the blessing to distribute the food among the christian people and they are so much in trouble and uh, they went into the other nation to ask for the food but they said that first you have to embrace our religion and after that we will provide you the food but thank god our small effort is uh, we are doing for the people of pakistan and thank you for the support in jesus name we love you brother sherman and all our church in jesus thank you for all the support by the grace of god in jesus name god bless you bye what a, what a blessing Pastor Asif is for loving people and sharing the gospel and, and sharing these resources with people. And what a blessing it is that you have supported First Baptist Church and Pastor Asif this way. And if you'd like to continue support, if you'd like to begin supporting, uh, you can go to our church website, fbcboron.org, go to the bottom of any page, and then click the push pay link and you can find ex- instructions on how to give. Um, and then in the dropdown menu, you can actually click on uh, Asif Rashid in Pakistan, and then we will take that money and give it right to them for this relief effort Uh, or you can uh, certainly write a check to first baptist church and mail it to 12255 boron avenue boron california 93516 we'd certainly appreciate your continued support of, of brother asif and also our other missionaries around the world as well but with that let's come before the lord and pray heavenly father lord we are begging and asking lord that your Your truth would reign supreme and that you, Lord God, would continue to guide us and strengthen us. And that, Father, that we would walk in this, that the unity of the church would be important to us, Father. That we would walk in grace and forgiveness and mercy, Lord God. That we would be made new in the image of Christ. We would be like Christ, act like Christ and walk like Christ. Father, I pray, Father, for your church to rise in this time and be a visible light for the community and the world. I pray, Father God, that people would turn to you in repentance and faith. I pray, Father, that this virus would be put at an end and be done away with. We pray, Lord God, that you, Lord, would would heal our land and heal our world. We pray, Father God, for the, the, the workers who, who, who face the difficulties, um, the, the medical workers, the frontline workers that who that face uh, the danger of working with people. Uh, we pray, Father, for, for the, those who have been afflicted by this illness. Father, we are especially coming to you, Lord God, uh, and praying for a few people specifically. We're praying for Don, um, who, Lord God, is in the hospital with this virus. And uh, another pastor friend of mine said that it would be a miracle uh, if he gets healed. We're praying for miracles. We know that you are a God of miracles. We pray for our our friend Brittany, Lord, that you would heal her, Lord, of her heart condition. We pray, Lord God, for the people in our community. We pray for those who are sick and injured. We pray, Lord God, for those who are afflicted financially, Lord God, by this, that you'd provide their needs, that you'd help them to get jobs, that you would help make sure that they can pay all their bills, Father. We pray for the leaders of this country, that they would be able to have wisdom to, to manage this virus, but at the same time, to open our country back up and get us back to work and get things back going the way they should be, and that we'd be able to have um, a life that's more normal, Lord. I pray, Father, that we'd also learn our lessons through this about the freedoms that we have, about our freedom to be able to worship you, and, um, and, and that we wouldn't take for granted our ability to assemble as a church family. I pray, Father, for your grace and mercy to reign supreme throughout our country, and that all of us, Lord God, would just be mindful of all the good things that you do for us and give to us in this life. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And as always, I hope you understand you are definitely loved and prayed for, and you were deeply missed. We will see you soon. Grace and peace.